Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Look out the window today and you're reminded about the beauty that surrounds us in Connecticut, one of the perks of living in the state. Fiscally, however, the state is in trouble. The economy has been slow to grow since the recession, and at the Capitol, the governor and legislators have faced continuous years of plugging budget deficits. Next year's is estimated more than $1 billion. What does that mean for our cities and towns? Less state aid. So what's the solution beyond raising taxes? Well, if you're one of Connecticut cities, that's not even a solution. Today, we're bringing up the R word, regionalization. It's something policymakers have floated in recent years as a solution to saving municipalities' money. But is consolidating services that simple, and will it bring the desired cost savings? We're going to talk about that today with leaders of municipalities, such as Hartford, and we'll hear the perspective of wealthy towns, too. Later in the show, we'll look to a Florida city that consolidated to save money. What did regionalizing services gain and lose for its residents? And we want to hear from you. Are you waiting for your tax bill to go up next year, given the state's continuing fiscal problems? What do you think your town or city can do to help you and still provide needed services? Join the conversation. The number is 860-275-7266. Email wherewelive at wmpr.org. And always find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Joining me now in studio is Kevin Maloney. He's Director of Communications at the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And also in studio with us is Luke Bronin, Mayor of Hartford. Thanks for coming back to the show. Thanks, Lucy. Great to be with you. So, Kevin, I wanted to, um, you know, we invited you to the show because CCM um, has a recent report that's looking at um, our cities, our our major cities here in Connecticut, Hartford, Bridgeport, New Haven, and Waterbury. Why did CCM decide to study these four uh, urban centers? Well, life in Connecticut, really, as the big cities go, so goes the overall Connecticut economy. And they are the centers of the economic engines in the state, employment, employment. cultural, um, public safety, hospitals, and we felt the need there to show how much of a burden those cities take on, um, their ability and their inabilities to deal with some issues and the notion that we need strong statewide policies to ensure their economic health, their social health, because if they're not the centers and they tend to not do well, um, the affluence and the success you see in the suburban towns would fall off also. So we're trying to point to working with Mayor Bronin and the other big city mayors and a series of smaller town first selectmen who are involved in the issue, the best ways to be supportive of Hartford, New Haven, Bridgeport, Waterbury to have Connecticut be successful going forward. Let's talk about the report in detail. Um, Obviously, uh, cities around the country, including here in Connecticut, struggle with bigger numbers of unemployment, uh, with poverty, with homelessness. Uh, to walk us through some of your findings. Well, the obvious one is that there are over half a million residents who live in these four cities. Um, Mayor Bronin um, brought up earlier today, you know, there's close to 100,000 people who just commute into Hartford every day to get their main income. Um, you have similar, perhaps slightly smaller numbers Um, suburban residents coming into New Haven, into Bridgeport, into Waterbury. 
Hartford, Bridgeport, New Haven are the places where the hospitals are, um, where you have the vast majority of social services. Yet, you know, these communities see high rates of homelessness. They have property tax rates that are very high and really don't have an ability to set them at at any higher rate. Um, There are challenges in the education world. There are challenges in public safety. Um, Both those two, um, Hartford, New Haven, Bridgeport, and Waterbury, have made real inroads in terms of trying to make improvements. So we're just pointing to the fact that these are really central hubs, and we're working with Mayor Bronin and the other big city mayors and the suburban mayors to try to come up with what are the best proposed state-local policies that could help these cities thrive going forward and not let them um, slip. As I mentioned, uh, Mayor Luke Bronin is here. He leads the city of Hartford. Remind us why you wanted this job again. Because it's a great city. It's a great city that has enormous potential. But what I said when I when I launched my campaign for mayor is that the city's at a moment of real opportunity, but also enormous challenge. And we're not going to take advantage of that opportunity if we don't face our challenges openly, honestly, and directly. So what's at stake if Hartford fails, if you are indeed insolvent? Well, look, what I think is at stake is the economic health of the state of Connecticut and certainly the economic health of the greater Hartford region. Uh, if you look around the country, those cities that are growing, that are winning the competition for jobs, that are attracting talent – It's those places that have strong, vibrant, healthy cities. And I think Connecticut missed that boat uh, a couple of decades ago while other states were realizing the importance of their cities. And it's time for us to catch up. You know, economic growth is not driven by suburban office parks anymore. It's driven by strong, healthy cities. And so what what would work for you in terms of, is it more state aid that Hartford needs? If you can't, there's only so much that you can tax within your city? Look, I I would say, you know, we, we long ago in the city of Hartford, uh, raised taxes above where they should have been to keep the city competitive. You know, the mill rate in the city of Hartford is at 74 and change, 74.29. That's two or three times what it is in most surrounding towns. That makes it awfully hard to retain businesses, let alone recruit businesses, to a capital city. Uh, you know, when we talk about our deficits in the city of Hartford, we're talking about the deficits at that mill rate of 74. That's so high. If you actually looked at what the deficits would be if we had a competitive mill rate, they're two or three times that. Uh, so we have to find a new structure, a new revenue system. You simply can't run a city on a property tax-based system when the city has less taxable property than towns like Glastonbury or Manchester or West Hartford. It just doesn't work. So you say we need a new revenue uh, system such as? Well, it can come in any number of different ways. You know, one one simple way that would get you a part of the way there, wouldn't get you all the way there, would be to actually fund the pilot formula. That's payments in lieu of taxes. You know, half of the property in the city of Hartford, 51% of the property in the city of Hartford is non-taxable. And most of that non-taxable property is providing services to the entire state and the entire region. It's state property. It's hospitals. It's universities. It's the airport. It's the trash authority. It's the Metropolitan District Commission. And we get reimbursed at a very small fraction of that. So actually funding the formula that was legislature put in place long ago to recognize what the city does for the region and the state by hosting all those nonprofit entities would get us a good chunk of the way there. So that's one idea, but there are many more. Kevin? I think there's consensus for what the mayor is saying. Um, the mayor of New Haven, Bridgeport, Waterbury feel the same. Um, the state could do a lot more to reimburse the major cities for their tax-exempt property. Um, there's the notion of the, the recent court case on education funding. Um, education aid statewide is underfunded and really which what forced the court case by over $600 million. Education is the biggest expenditure 
for the city of Hartford and, and the other cities. So it's important to try to work together to find what's the best mix of revenue to run a city. Um, we have a panel now that's called the State Local Partnership Panel where we're working with the mayors and other suburban leaders to try to find that out. One of the things that we're looking at is um, the area of local revenue diversification where there would be a portion of the sales tax or a portion of entertainment taxes that would then go back to these communities to give them other revenue sources beyond the property tax. If they tried to raise their property tax in the big cities, probably the rate of collection would fall off because the property tax rates tend to be highest where the incomes tend to be lower. So we're sort of going down a dead-end road, and we have to find a better solution. Um, obviously, there's been calls for some time for the state to adequately fund the pilot program to cities such as Hartford. But with these continuing deficits, where does the money come from? But that's ultimately a decision for the legislature. And I'm not punting on this, but it, from my perspective, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we develop a system that actually allows our cities to be competitive. Uh, it could come either from cuts elsewhere that are offset by increases. So, for example, there is municipal aid that goes to towns that, frankly, don't need it. That's not, that doesn't mean that, ever, you know, that, that uh, it would only be cities that are getting assistance. But there are a number of wealthy towns in the state of Connecticut that continue to get state aid. That's one way you could deal with it. You could also deal with it by doing a, uh, a sales tax uh, surcharge that is specifically dedicated to municipal revenue. And that doesn't necessarily have to be just for the big cities either. It could be a way to cushion the blow for some of our suburbs and our smaller towns as well, which are facing real fiscal pressure too. Cities are not the only ones in fiscal pressure, and we've got to figure out ways to diversify the revenue stream for all of our towns. Well, let me throw that question back to Kevin Maloney again. He's with uh, the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. You obviously, your group obviously represents a lot of towns, not just cities. Um, what's the what's the solution if if we if we need the state to adequately fund the pilot program to help our cities so that our suburbs don't fail? What does that leave? Where does that leave our towns? Well, CCM represents 162 of the 169 cities and towns. And I think there is consensus that we need to do more. We need to do the most to help support the central cities. I mean, everyone needs support and aid from the state, and it's trying to find the best mix so that Hartford and Haven and Bridgeport get everything they need, yet these other communities, communities get something so they can be at the table and also participate in the process. And the struggle year in and year out is to try to find that best mix of where most of it needs to go, but providing something for others. And that's always a, it's a very strong debate that goes on year in and year out um, at the state legislature. And you have suburban state legislators and urban state legislators the way you have urban leaders at the local government level and suburban leaders. So it's, it's an ongoing issue, but there's clearly recognition that as the cities go, so goes the rest of the Connecticut economy. And just to reinforce one specific point the, the mayor made about if we're going to move forward with employment and economic development in the state and attract a vibrant young workforce, they want to be in the center cities. Um, they don't want to commute long distances. They want access to public transportation. So if we're going to have competitive major cities that attract a strong young workforce, you know, we have to be in the business of having those big cities really flourish. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking with municipal leaders about um, the state's fiscal problems and how it impacts our cities and towns. If you want to join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Before I go back to Mayor Bronin, you know, Kevin, what about the R word, regionalization? How um, serious are people going to get about 
finding new ways to consolidate to save money in the town on the town level. Well, th- there are two ways to look at regionalization. One is um, cooperation across town lines to share services, and there's a lot of that going on now. A lot more needs to be done. And then there's the notion of what we would call intermunicipal cooperation, where um, you share services between the city hall side, the town hall side, and the board of education. Um, consolidating finance services, consolidating information technology services, um, consolidating um, back office services. You can do that between the town hall and the Board of Ed as well as across town lines, and hopefully that's going to provide efficiencies and save some money. Mayor Bronin. Sure. I just want to jump back real quick to something that, that Kevin said because I- – I've, I've been working hard to rebuild the relationships with the big employers in the city of Hartford and try to get them reengaged uh, in, in the conversation about the city's future and the region's future. And one of the things that they all say is that one of their biggest challenges is recruitment. They regularly re- lose recruits to places like Boston or New York or even smaller cities that are that are perceived as you know centers of innovation and, and are vibrant and exciting places to be. Higher paying jobs for uh, one. Well, it's really not just about salaries. It's actually it's actually more about Hubs. place to, where where people want to live because there's more going on. They want to be in cities, and uh, that's why this isn't just a conversation about helping our cities. It's about a conversation about getting Connecticut's economy growing again. Mayor Bronin, if um, the Hart- city of Hartford doesn't get more uh, state aid, what happens to your city? Uh, look, w- what we have right now is simply not sustainable. You know, you cannot raise taxes above 74 mils without killing the city. Uh, in fact, you know, again, I think already we've, we've put far too high a burden, especially on our small businesses, and uh, it, it can't last. So you cannot raise taxes. And there's a limit beyond which you just can't cut if you want to be a city that's delivering the basic services that the residents want, but also that the region and that the state should demand of its capital city. Will Hartford be in the position to declare bankruptcy if they don't get more help? My, My goal is to do everything we can to avoid that by working together to develop a system that actually works. And the important thing is that bankruptcy... I think would be a black eye for the state of Connecticut and for the region. There again, it's not just about Hartford. I mean, we talk about the reputational effect of GE leaving Connecticut and going to Boston. Bankruptcy of the capital city would make that look like a tiny pebble in the pond. The the ripples and the ramifications of a of a bankruptcy of our capital city would be huge for the state of Connecticut and for our ability to position ourselves as a place for growth. I would uh, agree with the mayor that um, if you're in the business of trying to attract businesses and trying to attract um, young and vibrant workforce, um, that's going to be a big rock to throw in front of people. And we're at a crossroads now in Connecticut where, you know, everything we do is being looked at closely. And the next several years are going to be very important in terms of do we grow? Do we attract employers? Do we attract more jobs? Kevin Maloney is Director of Communications for the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. Thanks for joining us. We'll link to CCM's recent report about Connecticut's biggest cities and the burdens they face on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. Hartford Mayor Bronin is going to stay with us for the hour as we examine regionalization and other ways to help our cities. After the break, the leader of the town of Simsbury will give us her thoughts on ways the state should help towns like hers and Connecticut cities, too. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. We heard earlier that Connecticut cities face a disproportionate burden because many of the residents are poor and need more social services. At the same time, these cities can't tax these residents to raise the money needed. So what's the solution? You can join the conversation today, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Since the 70s, I believe, the state's been giving cities like Hartford pilot money. We heard earlier payment in lieu of taxes. Um, cities like Hartford are not getting their fair share. Now joining us in studio is Lisa Hevner, first select woman of the town of Simsbury. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell us about your town, obviously a wealthy suburb. How worried are you about whether Hartford can rise itself up from these continuing uh, deficit issues? I think, as Luke was saying, we're in a situation where there's an opportunity for Hartford to be a vibrant city. Am I worried about the financial situation that they're in? Absolutely. And the reason why I'm worried is so many of our residents from Simsbury um, commute to to Hartford. It is a core of our economic development. What do your um, constituents think about um, hearing that you know cities like Hartford need more state aid? Well, I don't know that they're hearing they need more state aid. What they're hearing is they need help. And how do we do that? Um, I think there is a recognition that our cities are in trouble. There's no question about that. I don't think there's a great understanding of why that matters to suburbs because we tend to view ourselves as separate sometimes. But Luke is exactly right. It matters to anyone who lives in the state, because as the cities go, so go the suburbs. So the question is, how do you make sure the cities are getting what they need to be vibrant, successful, attract millennials, create a sense of place and dynamism where people want to come and work? At the same time, how do you afford to do that? I asked you that question, if you want to get a little closer to the mic, because we hear from uh, people around the state who, there are critics out there, and Mayor Bronin, you've probably heard this too, that believe, you know, cities like Hartford, they get money and they don't use it wisely. So how much time, how often can we keep throwing money at, at Hartford to help them? Well, I think that there are some structural deficiencies in Hartford. Cities like the suburbs are creatures of the state. We were formed at the pleasure of the state, and some of the structures that were built into the city structures are simply untenable. Fifty percent of their property is not taxable. And uh, we put that burden on the city of Hartford, even though the whole state uses state government, uses a lot of the resources of Hartford. So the, the initial structure that was created by the legislature is just not tenable. Mayor Bronin, do you want to answer to the critics out there who think that, you know, Hartford isn't using the money wisely to begin with? Sure. I mean, look, let me let me just first say... I'm the first to acknowledge there have been mistakes made in the past. You know, Hart- Hartford has not always made smart decisions in the past. Baseball uh, stadium, you know, well, for one. you know that that you know how my feelings on the baseball stadium. I think that is a, a good example of a of a decision that shouldn't have been made. It's a project that shouldn't have been uh, launched. Obviously, once it was launched, we had to finish it, <laughs> and my goal was to finish it mm-hmm. in a way that respected taxpayer dollars by trying to keep as little taxpayer money going to that project as possible. But but going further back, you know, 20 years ago, there were contracts uh, entered into that are now uh, resulting in pension payments that are just too much for the city to afford. And I, I know it, it's, uh, it is hard for people when they read the newspaper and they see, you know, a, a police officer retiring with a pension uh, uh, that is almost 50 percent larger than his base pay, and they say, uh, you know, that that's outrageous. Believe me, nobody is more frustrated than that than I am. But those are 20-year-old decisions. Uh, similarly, the city did borrow too much in the past, and the city did restructure its debt in irresponsible ways. But, and here's the really important point, if we didn't owe a single dollar of debt, we would still have a deficit. 
we would still have a deficit next year. Similarly, if we didn't owe a single dollar of pension payments, we would still have a deficit. And that's a deficit at a mill rate that already makes us uncompetitive. So now let me put one other stat out there. If we actually had a mill rate that was competitive, say our mill rate was 45, which is substantially higher than the mill rate in Simsbury, but say our mill rate was 45. In that case, if we didn't have a single dollar debt or a single pension obligation, we would still have a deficit. The root of the problem really is structural, and it's based on the fact that there's just not enough property to tax in a city of this size. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. I want to go to some listeners who are calling in. John's calling from Manchester. John, you're on Where We Live. Yeah, hi. How are you doing today? Thanks Good. for taking my call. Um, uh, back when Jody Rell was governor, uh, the legislature passed a bill that would have allowed uh, municipalities and small businesses to be allow their employees to be part of the state health care system. That bill was vetoed by Rell. It never come back up with a, with a Democratic governor in, in office. I'm, I'm just wondering what, what you think about that and whether you think that would really help out cities and towns across the state and bolster the economy. All right, John, thank you for your question. I'll go to select woman Hevner from the town of Simsbury. Thanks for your question. Um, I don't know the answer to that. That's one of the things, you know, we've got to look at. We know that one of the most expensive things our residents across the state pay for is health insurance. So we do need to find a way to get that under control. Is that the best way? I don't know. I haven't really looked at that issue. It hasn't come up recently. But it's something that we think about all the time in the state. And in each of our towns, we have a very substantial wellness program that we do to try and reduce costs there. But I think we need to look at all options and make sure that not only the citizens of Connecticut, but in the whole nation have adequate health care. Mayor Brown? Look, I, first of all, I agree with Lisa. You know, this is a much bigger issue than Connecticut. This is about making sure that on a national level, we, uh, we develop a health care system that uh, allows everybody at every income level to have real access to health care. Uh, but let me just say this. When you talk about a health care pool at the state level, the real question is not whether it's being done at the state level or municipality. It's, uh, it's what's the design of the health care plan, you know, what level of benefits are being offered. That's what determines the cost. And so it's really hard to say in, in the abstract whether it would save money or not. It really depends on what the benefits are that are being offered. Uh, you, again, uh, Selectwoman Hevner is from Simsbury, a wealthy town. Earlier we heard Mayor Bronin say, you know, there are some wealthy towns out there that don't need particular state aid. What's your reaction to that? Well, my first reaction would be, come visit Simsbury on Tuesday when we give away free food to many of our residents who can't afford to live in Simsbury or the state of Connecticut. So when you say Simsbury's wealthy, I would ask you to be a little bit cautious there. Um, we have a third of our land that's reserved as open space, so that's non-taxable areas. Mayor Bronin has 50%. I don't have the same service needs as he does, but that's not to say we don't have any. So I think, you know, how do we look at funding for the cities, we need to look at it in a way that's equitable, fair, and that sort of recognizes the needs not just of the cities but of the suburbs. Because if the suburbs fail, then the cities fail. It's not just that the cities are important for the state of Connecticut. It's that we're all important for the state of Connecticut. How can the town of Simsbury work with their surrounding towns, their neighbors, to save money consolidating services? Well, we do that already, and we do that in a number of ways. We have a councils of government are, we belong to the Capital Region Council of Government, and they're basically regionalization efforts to coordinate um, savings and procurement options. I belong to the Farmington Valley Collaborative, which are the Farmington Valley towns we get together. I think there isn't 
a minute of any day that doesn't go by where we don't think, how can we save money? And if we can do it by working with our neighbors, we do it because we don't have a choice. So if this is not something anyone's against. We look at it, does it make sense? Sometimes it doesn't. The state proposed uh, regionalizing health districts. Their proposal will cost me 10 times more than what I'm paying now. I've got a local regional health district. So sometimes regionalization costs more, sometimes less. We'll do it if it makes sense. Mayor Brony, you talked about um, you know possibly a different structure, a new revenue stream uh, to help. Uh, but in terms of regionalization, what is Hartford doing in terms of working better with West Hartford or East Hartford? What's the collaboration there? Sure. Well, look, I, I sit, I've sat down with uh, all of the uh, the chief elected officials of, uh, of surrounding towns uh, and talked with them about ways that we can work together. Look, we're not going to solve this overnight. Uh, I mean, there, but but we have to acknowledge that if you were building a state from scratch, you wouldn't build it the way we've got it. You wouldn't carve a state of three and a half million people into 169 separate municipalities and then duplicate every single service across every one of those towns. It's just not it's not efficient. And not only is it not cost effective, it's not necessarily the best level of service either. You could have greater levels of service in some cases if you're delivering services across a larger area. So we've got to be be honest about you know the the fact that this this is the way we've done it for a long time and we're used to it and we are you know we're in New Englanders and we're mm-hmm. uh, we, we we are the land of steady habits. But uh, we're one of very few places in the country that does it this way. And, you know, most metro regions in the country are far larger than ours where services are delivered over a much larger area. And we've got to we've got to start pushing at the envelope. We've got to start being a little bit more uh, willing to experiment. But for people who are longtime residents of Connecticut who may have been born and raised here, you know, when will this move past the debate? Well, that's a great question because the debate's been going on for you know more than fifty years. <laughs> you know, there, I was looking at a uh, a newspaper article about uh, an effort to to uh, merge the towns of Hartford and West Hartford from nineteen the nineteen twenties. Uh, so this is not a new discussion, uh, but I, I think the answer to that may be uh, it's got to happen soon because it's not just the city of Hartford that's in fiscal stress. The state of Connecticut is in fiscal stress, and the state of Connecticut has to deal with that fiscal stress, and I think part of it needs to be figuring out how to deliver services uh, more effectively. So how can the state do a better job of supporting its cities and towns? It's one of the questions we're exploring today. But regionalization or consolidating services is something lawmakers have suggested towns could do as well. How has that worked in other parts of the country? We'll find out what one Florida city did after the break. Uh, Selectwoman Lisa Hevner is going to stick around. Also, Mayor of Hartford Luke Bronin is here. First, if you enjoy where we live and the opportunity to join in on conversations like this, here are two of my colleagues to remind you to support WNPR. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, tree roots touch more than just soil. They reach deep into our past, our culture, our traditions. On the next Where We Live, we talk to author and tree enthusiast Fiona Stafford about her new book, The Long, Long Life of Trees. That's coming up Friday. Today we're talking about the R word, regionalization. What does that mean in the context of ways municipalities in Connecticut can save money and be more efficient when state aid continues to dwindle in yet another tough budget year? In studio with me is uh, Luke Bronin, mayor of Hartford, and Lisa Hevner, first select woman of the town of Simsbury. And joining us now from the studios of WJCT in Jacksonville, Florida, is Georgette Dumont. She's assistant professor of political science and public administration at the University of North Florida. Georgette, welcome to where we live. 
Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. So we wanted to talk about regionalization, um, and this is often mentioned by policymakers in Connecticut because the state um, has 169 towns and cities and hamlets. Um, I lived in Jacksonville for a few years, and back then, you know, I first learned that Jacksonville went through a consolidation process similar to what regionalization calls for, but that was back in the 1960s. Can you take us back there to, you know, why this happened in Jacksonville? Sure. In uh, 1967, it went in front of the voters as to whether the county as a whole would like to consolidate into one city. And the voters overwhelmingly approved the consolidation. Um, and this was because there were a lot of um, a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of financial problems. Even the, uh, the public school system had also been disaccredited. So there was a lot going on, um, finan- uh, uh, political corruption. Uh, there was a lot going on. And so in 1968 is when the consolidation actually started. It started in October. October 1, 1968, all of the county consolidated with the exception of the three beaches cities and one city called Baldwin in the southwest corner of the county. And they all voted for consolidation, but then they also voted that they did not want to be consolidated. They want to keep their local forms of government. So you're now part of a task force that reviewed this process 46 years later. What were some lessons learned? What worked? What didn't? Well, um, the task force was four years ago, and it was really looking back at whether all the promises of consolidation did work. And now consolidation is different than regionalization, and I just want to make that kind of clear. Instead of just having shared services, we actually have a shared government. So we have the, um, the county is the city, and that adds a couple little unique um the uniqueness that it would be very different for a New England town. I'm I'm from Massachusetts, so I understand small New England towns and New England um, in town form of government. So um, some of the things that we are able to do and what consolidation brought to us was being able to uh, make businesses who want to move into the city and to the county, we streamline those processes. So there's only one government that a business will really have to go through to get permissions and to get permits and things such as that, specifically for the city of Jacksonville. One thing that I think really should be noted, I've been listening to your guests, and we have a um, an the, it's called the JEA, Jacksonville Energy Authority, and that is an independent agency separate from the government, and they want, they, that's because they want to really take politics out of it. And they provide, um, we provide, they provide uh, electric for Jacksonville and Northeast Florida, and some, they provide a lot of money into the general fund for the city of Jacksonville. So the Jacksonville, even though it is consolidated, does not rely specifically just on property taxes, which is what it sounds like Hartford is going through. Uh, you mentioned local control. You know, one of the things that people push back on when they hear about, you know, a county form of government or regionalization here is, you know, they'll miss that identity or a feeling that they can hold the people that are elected accountable. Um, what identity does Jacksonville have after this consolidation? Is that an issue? Well, there? that's one. Yes, it is. That is one of the things that the task force really focused on is that Jacksonville as a whole, as a city, has, doesn't really have a strong identity. It's independent. Um, neighborhoods, all the different places that used to be cities, all have unique identities within Jacksonville, but Jacksonville as a whole is lacking that strong identity, um, which is hard when you're trying to market the city, and it's a fabulous city, but it's hard when you try and market it beyond the region because they don't really know what Jacksonville stands for. Something You also noted local control. And there are two ways of looking at the issues, specifically what Harford's going through, and you can see this in uh, Jacksonville as well. So we can look at how you create better efficiencies, cost savings, better bang for your buck, 
But this is government. And the other side of the equation is, you know, democracy, citizen representation, and how close and trusted and um, uh, efficacious do citizens feel with their government. And so the smaller the government, so um, for instance, I live in Jacksonville Beach, and that's one of the cities that chose not to consolidate. I go to all the city council meetings every other week because it's 17 blocks away from my house. It's very convenient. However, if the if Jacksonville Beach had consolidated into the city of Jacksonville, I would be nowhere near as engaged and informed with my government because then I would have to drive 20, 20 to 30 minutes into the city to go to the um, city council meetings. Everybody in the, on the council in my town, in my city, knows who I am, where in the city of Jacksonville they wouldn't. So you, there's a, a stronger connection with the smaller form of government. But again, that's full consolidation of a county, not regionalization of services. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. I'm speaking to Georgette Dumont. She's assistant professor of political science and public administration at the University of North Florida. I wanted to turn back to our in-studio guest, first elect woman of the town of Simsbury, Lisa Hevner. Um, So what's your take when you hear how uh, Jacksonville consolidated and some of the lessons learned there? Well, I think that rings true to a lot of what I hear. People moved to New England before small-town New England democracy. That was sort of the birthplace of American democracy in the nation. And people do enjoy knowing their local elected officials. I go to the local grocery store, and that's where people ask me about questions. They'll say, hey, have you thought of this? What are we doing here? How, what can I do to help? And that doesn't happen at a county level. I spent some time in Maryland, and that's county government, and I never once ran into anyone who represented me. But down in Simsbury, everybody knows everyone. And so there is a benefit to that. I, you know, in terms of regionalization, are there ways to do efficiencies? Absolutely. And should we be exploring those? Yes. Do, does it have to mean going to county government? I don't think so. When you say there are ways to be efficient, let's talk about um, school funding, because uh, we know that across the state you're seeing a decline in enrollment. You know, is that something where it would make sense to have neighboring towns regionalized? I know we do that in certain parts of Connecticut, but it's not, um, it's not common. Well, there are certainly services you could regionalize. I mean, you want to start with the low-hanging fruit, what is what is going to be palatable to the communities. Because part of the re- reason people move to different towns in Connecticut is because of the schools. They love the schools, and they love knowing that they have an input into the schools and that they can vote on the school budgets, uh, that people are willing to pay the higher taxes. We know because they vote for these budgets overwhelmingly. So they find value there. The question is, are you getting value for the money you're paying? But are there opportunities? Yes. And with declining enrollment, you can look at capacity opportunities. You could look at food service, bus transportation, and special education funding are three obvious areas where there may be opportunities for everyone that benefit people that don't take away some of the things we love about our local schools. Harvard Mayor Luke Bronin's in studio with us. Your reaction to Jacksonville? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, as uh, as uh, was said, there's a big difference between consolidation and regionalism. And I don't think anyone's under the impression that, you know, we're going to erase our town boundaries here in New England uh, anytime soon. Uh, so there is a, a, big, a big difference there. But, you know, I, I'm going to approach it from a different angle. A, a couple of weeks ago, the Brookings Institution uh, came out with a report identifying Hartford among less than 20 knowledge capitals around the world. And that was based on levels of uh, educational attainment in the region, concentration of research institutions or companies with research uh, arms. And it's an extraordinary thing because what they were looking at is the region of greater Hartford. And yet for so many people who look, live around here, they, they see that report and say, how can Hartford be a knowledge capital? 
But if we started acting more like a region and talking about ourselves more like a region and recognizing that the health of the center city matters to the health of the region, we could really take advantage of all of those extraordinary assets we've got in this region. And I think to the point about identity, we could have an extremely powerful identity. This is a place with incredible arts and cultural assets, incredible natural beauty, as you said earlier, Lucy, uh, incredible concentration of, uh, of large uh, national employers and, uh, and research institutions. But we've got to unlock that. And the way you've got to unlock it is by creating a vibrant city at its core that's going to help create that identity and draw people in. We were just talking about uh, schools and decline in enrollment. That's also an, an issue here in, in Hartford. You mentioned um, the city being seen as, as like a knowledge corridor in this uh, Brookings re- report, but you said people are critical of that. Like, what are they talking about? Because of the achievement gap in your schools. So, I mean, how do you fix that problem so that people aren't moving out of Hartford to go to Simsbury or other towns? Well, I think the J- Judge Mukasher's decision uh, of a couple of months ago was was a pretty powerful statement. Uh, and I think it rang true for a lot of people because it, uh, it talked about, it shone a light on things that everybody knows. We are one of the wealthiest states in the country, and we have the worst achievement gap in the country. That is shameful to all of us. I'll take a call now. Uh, Martha's been holding. She's a resident of Hartford. Martha, you're on Where We Live. I am. Thank you. Go ahead with your question. Okay. I would like first to applaud all of you for approaching your subjects. I especially appreciate the comments made by, um, I think she's a councilwoman or black woman from Missouri. And also, Mayor Luke Bronin, thank you, from Hartford, for your comments in various ways. Now, I wish to ask Luke Bronin a question. This is somewhat a follow-up. You might recall my asking you a question earlier this year when you spoke at the Greater Hartford League of Women Voters about the degree to which police or firemen lived in Hartford. Fortunately, we have not had yet, so far as I know, the problem of police shootings of citizens like other areas in the country. I am glad for that. However, I am concerned that so many citizens, so many police officers who live elsewhere in the state are being police officers in the Hartford community. All right, Martha, thank you for your comment. Did you want to respond? So she has an issue sure. with residency. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with her 100%. You know, 93% of our police force lives outside the city of Hartford. Uh, we are focused on trying to increase the percentage of, uh, of local residents on the force, uh, both through recruiting and, and trying to get uh, Hartford police officers to stay in Hartford if they lived in Hartford before. Uh, so I, I agree with 100%. Actually, just submitted to the council yesterday an ordinance that's going to change the uh, the recruitment process uh, in a way that we hope will give more flexibility uh, and allow us to to hire more residents. But uh, but again, the other piece of that is that it highlights once again the way in which we're interconnected. You know, if 93% of the Hartford police officers live outside the city, it also means that those officers are residents of surrounding towns, and their income and their livelihood is tied to the city of Hartford. Uh, we are interconnected in so many ways. And so for me, when people ask what regionalism means, the very first meaning, the simplest meaning, is just let's let's acknowledge a fact. We are a region. We're an interconnected region, like it or not. 
and we will rise or fall together. I want to turn back to Georgette Dumont. She's joining us from the studios of WJCT in Jacksonville, Assistant Professor of Political Science and Public Administration at the University of North Florida. Uh, Georgette, so our conversation up in Connecticut has been going on for some time about regionalization, consolidation. You know, what are some tips for policymakers here in Connecticut from your experience uh, consolidating down there? Well, you want to really, um, I would say, in, as was stated by the mayor, you know, they're not looking at consolidation. They're looking at regionalization. That is a difference. And I would say take it slow. Try, um, you want to really pick and choose which services you want to regionalize and what is going to get your best bang for the buck while keeping citizens at the forefront, so the level of service. So that's the first thing. Um, PSAPs are, uh, it, that's a relatively low-hanging fruit. Although there is the politics involved with trying to get everybody to um, buy into that, um, PSAP's public service um, answering the, the 911 systems. So um, you'd want to go slowly with that. Uh, when it comes to education, down here it's at the county level. I know up north it's at the uh, town level. Um, and there are some pros and cons to that. So at the county level, when you're looking at education, uh, you're you have more uh, flexibility across lines if you have towns um, up like up north. However, you lose that, you know, that school spirit. Uh, up in Massachusetts, I believe Connecticut does the same thing. We have Thanksgiving Day football games against our neighboring towns, and that's that's really something for us. Mm-hmm. So it's um, having to give part of that up uh, would really hurt. So a lot you'd have to look at how the state is reallocating dollars for education throughout the state to be able to make sure that everybody is uh, getting an equal share. (laughs) And that's the crux of the problem there. Thank you so much, Georgette Dumont, Assistant Professor of Political Science and Public Administration at the University of North Florida. We are almost out of time, so I want to thank First Select Woman of the Town of Simsbury, Lisa Hevner. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And the Mayor of Hartford, Luke Bronin. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. First, if you enjoy where we live and the opportunity to join us on conversations like this, here are my colleagues to remind you how to support. 